and welcome to the Apopolis Podcast. I'm Kristen Nogler, Child Life Specialist, host of the podcast, and Eupopolis's National Program Manager. Today is episode 33 of the Eupopolis Podcast, and it was really inspired this topic or this conversation that I want to have with you today from a post that I saw that a good friend of mine had. Her daughter recently got diagnosed with POTS. It can flare up and she can have moments where she can't walk 15 feet um, and moments where she's out on the town four days later shopping with her mom for a homecoming dress. When I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking about how that means that she's coming like in and out of hospital at various points and transitioning in and out of her regular everyday life to her hospital and treatment life. Was also thinking back on a podcast I listened to this morning that was talking about the gap. When she was talking about the gap host, she was talking about how we spend time learning information and consuming things and going to classes and going to webinars and taking courses and learning and building knowledge. And then sometimes we have action on that and we put that into place somehow in our lives in the content we create or our work that we do or relationships that we have. But other times we just like consume the knowledge, which sometimes then she was talking about the gap where sometimes then like it can fill you up and you can be taking on all this, but not doing anything with it. But then you have the guilt of knowing that you've taken that on. So there's this guilt or burden of knowing that you've taken on this information and you've consumed it and you know what you want to do with it, but you haven't done it yet. So it's like a little added extra stressor in your life in feeling like you're not achieving what you want to achieve because you haven't got there yet. And maybe that's because you don't have a plan of how to put it in place yet, or you've not made a plan of how you're going to take the time to do that, or life just feels busy and passing you by and not stopping to pause to figure that out. Maybe not knowing that you can stop and that you don't need to take on more learning at the moment. You need to actually put into place some actions to move forward with some of the information that you know. So the podcaster um, who was talking about this, I would think the podcast was called Primal, Primal Potential, something like that. One of the things she was talking about and the key message to come across is that when we do have all this knowledge inside of us, instead of letting it stress us out, just pick one thing that you want to use that you know that you've acquired to do an action one thing that you can move yourself forward and feel like you're growing and doing something with one little piece of knowledge that you have. So that got me thinking about my friend's daughter. It got me thinking about kids going back to school. And also, I know in August, we had International Youth Day um, on August 12th. And we have one of the youth take over our blog. And she was talking about discrimination due to age and how we think and how we feel and how we act towards others and ourselves based on our age. That's a great blog. So if you want to flip back to that, um, Jenna talks about how ageism affects her life personally, and what she gives some tips on what youth can do about that. And she gives tips on how youth can, you know, have a positive um, impact on their life through doing things like volunteering or donating to charity, shopping carefully, becoming advocates. And if you can't take on major things, you can always take on the little things because they end up having a big impact. Just thinking about that knowledge gap, the things that teens know, the things that teens experience, and going back to school, the power in whatever age you're at 
I thought it would be neat to just talk about going back to school. And I know school went back a couple weeks ago. If you're from the States, it went back about a month ago. If you're from Canada, it probably went back two or three weeks ago. But when it comes to youth who are experiencing grief or youth who are experiencing a medical diagnosis or treatment or medical condition, going back to school can happen anytime because sometimes, like I said, you're transitioning in and out of school for treatment. You're transitioning in and out of school because you're supporting or being with your loved one who is actively dying or they have died and traditional things that are done after death or you're, you know, you're sad and you're just not participating in school because you're taking care of yourself and being with your family at that time. One of the things that I was just thinking about is how do we support youth um, in, in those transitions to and from school? And as you know, Tia and the youth and some of our other child life specialists on our team work on our Upopolis blog. And two times we've covered kind of transitions back into school. One of them was in 2021. Uh, we talked about transitioning back to school after, after a death of someone. In that blog, Tia talked about the importance of social supports. Paramount it is to have peers kind of an established plan with at least a few peers as as kids transition back into the classroom. You know me, I if you listen to my the podcast or if you're on Eupopolis or you work with me, you know I'm always about people don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so in this blog that Tia did, and I will tag them in this in the description for this podcast, she highlights two resources which are really valuable. One from the Dougie Center which is ideas for friends and how they can show up for their friend who's experienced a death. And then the other one is 20 things grieving students would like their teachers to know. So I'm going to tag them in the podcast, but those are just some things to think about as well as in 2019, we did a back to school blog where thinking about three things, kind of how we prepare our children for the questions and reactions that they'll face from their peers and their teachers when they go back to school and how it's okay to work with our children to let them know that there are things that they're allowed to say are off limits. That, like I said, that we make a plan to have a few friends that they connect with before they go. So they have those allies. Also thinking about like, what does your child prefer to share about their illness and their absence from school um, or the death of the person? Um, Thinking about those things so that your child can prepare themselves with answers And they can be prepared to deal with them when they get there. So, you know, it's clear like you as a parent and and working with your youth can let the teacher know like what's okay. And then maybe the teacher can have some conversations with the class or maybe when reentry happens, there's a plan with the students that there'll be a discussion with your child, with the class and with the teacher. So everybody's kind of on the same page about what's okay to ask questions about and what's not. And then also doing little things like putting a question box in the classroom so that the teacher can pass those questions on to your child and you so that you can prepare um, and they can prepare for what questions people have and being able to either provide the answers to those before they go back or, like I said, having a little session where they kind of talk about that, knowing that children might approach you to ask these questions and so then you can help or might approach your child to ask them about these questions so your child can be prepared. Asking your child too, do you prefer to keep this private or is it okay for it to be an open discussion? And that's something that the teacher can help communicate 
we also highlighted in that blog that it's important to think about like what treatments and what side effects are going to be anticipated to happen during school time and how those are to be handled and how do you prepare your child for those? How do you prepare the classmates for those? How do you prepare the teachers for those? So everyone knows how to handle the situation. Everyone knows to expect them. I think one of the examples that's given in there is like if you have to go take medication, and Tia talks about that, if you have to go take a medication every day and it happens to fall at the beginning of English class, which means the child's going to be late, making sure the teacher knows that so they don't point the child out when they come back after they went to get their medication, that it's not a big deal, that they can just slip right back into the class. And if they want to share that with their class so that they know why they're always tardy, um, then that's okay too. So when I was reading that and about the side effects and stuff, I got thinking to a blog that was done just a couple months ago, I think actually earlier in the summer by Emma, one of our Eupopolis users who shares about her epilepsy experience. And she talks about the fact that, you know, she's had seizures at school, you know, educate people about what epilepsy is and what to do when seizures are happening and how that can be so isolating and making someone feel alone to have that diagnosis because maybe they're the only one in their school. I know my children experience that with one of their peers and it's super scary to see a seizure for those experiences to happen in a plan to be in place for people to know what to do when it happens, to be able to debrief, to know it's normal for this diagnosis. But one of the things that I love that Emma pointed out, and please go check out her blog, is she said that one in a hundred people have epilepsy. It's not a huge number, but it really puts it in perspective for students to give them that knowledge. So for Emma to know that and to share that with her class, if there's 30 kids in your class, that means if there's three classes in your school, one of those kids is there's a one in hundred chance. So there's a chance that one of those kids could have epilepsy. And then when you put that in a bigger picture, Emma shares that there's 80 million people worldwide that have epilepsy. And the power in that statement is knowing that even though you as a teen might feel alone in that diagnosis, there's 80 million. Like you think of a million dollars as a lot of money. So 80 million people, that's a lot of people. You're not alone. Even if it feels that you're alone, you're not alone. So you need to find ways to, um, teens like to connect with teens that they have things in common with. And that's, you know, why I love Eupopolis. It's why I put my effort into Eupopolis and work for Eupopolis because I truly believe in the power in peers in youth being able to connect with other youth who get it, other youth who are experiencing similar things. Just because you have epilepsy, bonus, if you get to connect with someone who has epilepsy, but just being able to connect with someone on Eupopolis who also has to take medications to control something or who has to experience a side effect in their classroom and being able to talk about how they handle that. There's just such power in that peer connection. Those are some great things that have been discussed in our blogs and some great resources that we share on our social media and our website and our, in our community. But then there's also places like Lighthouse, Dougie Center, Upedia, Umind that are sharing great resources as well. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that today and about the fact that when youth are going through these big things and they're learning all this stuff, and we as parents, as healthcare professionals, as teachers, have the ability to work with those youth to educate others, which will help make their life a little easier, will help people to understand because we all know sometimes. 
when people don't know something or when people, I will call it ignorant about a subject or, or a situation, they become uncomfortable. They withdraw from that situation. They do avoidance things. We can see bullying behavior start to happen or just shying away and moving away from those people because they feel like they don't understand. So the more we can take that knowledge that the children who are going through these things are learning and we as adults can help those youth bring that information back to their peers so that they're educated, so that they transition that knowledge into power through their actions and being able to be the supports and being able to know how to show up is so powerful and amazing. And if we can just do that, we've done great things. So thanks for joining in for the Upopolis podcast. Once again, I'm Kristen Nogler. Go check out our blog. You can find it at upopolis.com. There's a blog tab there. Sometimes the blogs um, only show up like six from the past. Feel free to reach out and ask us if we've covered a certain topic. T is always sharing about them in our social as well. And I usually try to reference back. Um, I will put a link to the two blogs I mentioned today in the description, as well as those two resources. Take care, and I will see you next time for episode 34.